with the European stops in the rear view mirror. Formula One heading to Marina Bay for the Singapore Grand Prix. Eight races remain in a season dominated by Max Verstappen and Red Bull. The podium battles, though, this year behind him have been a fantastic story in 2023. What will we see when the lights are turned on for Sunday's Grand Prix? It's the Overtake F1 podcast. I'm Tony Deziri. It's our Singapore Grand Prix preview. We'll give you our five storylines to watch out for this weekend. We'll look at Marina Bay and the street circuit in our track talk segment. And we'll look back at the Italian Grand Prix at Monza in our top five and bottom five. Please like and subscribe to the podcast if you've been listening to what we've been doing, not only this season, but in seasons prior. If you're brand new, give the podcast a listen, judge for yourself. And if you do like it, I hope you will subscribe. It really does help us out with all of those fancy algorithms that are used to promote the podcast. All right, let's get to the top five storylines that you want to watch out for this weekend for the Singapore Grand Prix. And the number one thing to watch out for will come on Saturday. Will qualifying make the difference? Now, one thing we know about this season that it doesn't really matter who starts on pole position. Over the course of the race, Max Verstappen is going to track you down, overtake you, and go on to win the Grand Prix. Sergio Perez in Miami didn't matter. Lewis Hamilton was on the pole at Hungary. Didn't matter. Carlos Sainz at Monza also didn't matter. You kind of get the point. But Verstappen has struggled at Singapore in his career. It's a very tough place to overtake. Last year, he finished seventh, and his best finish was second in 2018. Now, I know this year is different. No one can compete with the RB19 at any track, especially with Verstappen behind the wheel. And he's won more pole positions this season than anyone. And if he starts first, he is going to finish first. However, if he's chasing, maybe, just maybe, the difficulty of overtaking at Singapore and Marina Bay will make it so that somebody else can actually win this Grand Prix. That leads me to the second thing to watch out for this weekend. So who is coming? Now, the big reason that I'm interested in this season when many people are checking out because of the Verstappen dominance is that if he does lose a Grand Prix, I want to know how. Was he straight up beaten? Did he make a mistake and hit a wall? Did he suffer a malfunction of some sorts? I don't know. I'm not rooting for any of these things, but I also want to be watching when it does happen. Fernando Alonso picked this race as the one he felt Aston Martin could win at, a higher downforce track. Lewis Hamilton has four wins at Singapore. He can get that car around this tricky circuit better than anyone. Sergio Perez is the defending champion. Now, is it likely that Max is going to win again? Of course, I'm not a fool. I mean, it's very likely, more than likely, that he's going to win this Grand Prix. But this could be more interesting than any circuit that we have left on the calendar. I don't think he's going to lose at Qatar. I don't think he's going to lose in Vegas or Abu Dhabi or Brazil. I, I, I just don't think he's going to lose at these circuits. He could this weekend at a circuit he hasn't done particularly well at. Remember last season, going into Japan, he finished seventh. It wasn't because of malfunction. It was raining and all that. So it was weather. But I remember saying last year, when Max Verstappen doesn't win races, we want to know why. When he doesn't finish in the top five, we absolutely want to know why. And last year he finished seventh. But again, if he starts first, he's going to win this Grand Prix. Number three to watch out for this weekend, and that's safety cars. Marina Bay, very tricky road course. So many turns, many of them 90 degrees, and the possibility of a safety car or two are pretty high. In fact, there's been at least one safety car that has made an appearance at every Singapore Grand Prix since the inception of this race going back to 2008. 
A total of 23 safety cars have been deployed in the history of this race. Of course, one of those safety cars was the one of the most famous in Formula One history. Nelson Piquet crashing in 2008 on purpose to help his Renault teammate Fernando Alonso win the race from 15th on the grid. But that's what we'd watch out for. And when there's a safety car, you know strategically that could positively affect people and that can massively negatively affect people. So watch out for that this weekend at Marina Bay. The fourth thing, it kind of important to me, may not be on your radar, but I wanted to bring it up, and that is Logan Sargent. Many of you will not care for this, but I want to point out this, especially if you're an American Formula One fan, that this could be it for Logan Sargent this season if he doesn't start improving for Williams. The only American driver on the grid is in danger of losing his seat. He has not earned a single point this season. James Vowell said Sargent is going to have to start performing if he wants to stay at the pinnacle of motorsports. There are too many people chomping at the bit to get a seat in Formula One. Logan Sargent is a rookie, yes, and sometimes you get a little bit of leeway, but you don't get a lot of leeway. This is not like an NFL team drafting a quarterback in round one and giving him two, three years to develop because you've invested in him. You get a rookie in Formula One and he ain't working out, he can jettison that seat and somebody else can go in there. And I've made this argument time and time again about Logan Sargent and where an American driver would have to be for Americans to actually follow that individual, root for that individual, and care about that individual. They are going to have to be put in a situation where they can compete. If Logan Sargent was Oscar Piastri at McLaren and was getting into Q3 regularly or running near the top or you know getting in the points, Americans would be more interested in him as a driver. But at Williams, where he could have had points, but has failed to have points, in fact, all the points William has comes from Alex Albon, then it becomes a lot more difficult to actively be a Logan Sargent fan, even if you are an American and you're rooting for an American interest in the sport. In the next couple of races, this team is going to start evaluating whether they've made the right decision in putting Logan Sargent in that seat. Especially when like Liam Lawson is doing great filling in for Daniel Ricardo. We saw it last year with Nick DeVries. He filled in for Alex Albon at Monza, did so well, he got a ride. Now he no longer has that ride, but that's the danger that Logan Sargent is in if he wants to stay in the sport. The sport has always prided itself on having the top race car drivers in the world. Now we can argue who has paid for their seat, etc. We know that paid drivers are a thing in Formula One, so it's not always the top echelon, but that's not really the point here. The point is, is that Williams is looking to point, put a driver there that can get them points. Not somebody who brings in a certain fan base, not even somebody that may bring in money, but somebody that can actually get points for the team. Logan Sargent is not doing that. The fifth thing to watch out for is this. Red Bull could win the constructors. But now, what about the race for P2 in that? Now, there are circumstances where Red Bull could wrap the constructors race at the conclusion of the Singapore Grand Prix. Now, if you want to flip it to the driver's standings, Max Verstappen cannot clinch the championship this weekend. That's got to be extended just a touch. But Red Bull could win the constructors this weekend. Um, Mercedes is currently second, 273 points. Ferrari is third, 45 points behind the Silver Arrows. Aston Martin is fourth at 217. There are 11 points behind Ferrari, 56 points 
behind Mercedes. There are eight races remaining, and this could start to get very, very interesting. Now, I know that many, many people like look at the top and they check out, but I love these battles. I love battles for podiums. I love battles for certain positioning in the driver's standings, the constructor standings, especially knowing money and where it's allocated, et cetera, et cetera. I'm still heavily interested in how this season is going to straight shake out, even if Verstappen is running away with it. I love the bottom section of it. We're not really designed for that in a lot of sports, right? We always kind of hear the mantra, you know, the second place is the first loser. And we sort of go, look, in the end, if you're watching uh, Major League Baseball, we know who won the World Series. We couldn't care less who lost in the divisional round. Right. In the NBA, we love the world champion, but who cares who lost the Eastern Conference Finals? Formula One is different. It is a big deal to the drivers if they finish second in the standings, third in the standings, teams finishing third or second in the constructors. It does matter. All right, so those are the five things to watch out for for the Singapore Grand Prix. One other note, maybe make it the sixth thing, and that's Ferrari. They've been downplaying, or at least Charles Leclerc has been downplaying what they could do this weekend. You know, the car's not quite suited for Singapore, etc. But they had a really good FP1 on Friday, uh, both finishing 1-2 with Carlos Sainz. So that's something to watch out for this weekend as well. They had a great run at Monza, but this is a different circuit. This is a different setup. I'm kind of with Charles Leclerc. I downplay it a little bit too, but nevertheless... Charles Leclerc did start on pole at Baku and Azerbaijan. It's kind of similar to that. A little different, but kind of similar in that it's a street circuit. Now, speaking of the circuit, if you're kind of new to Formula One and this is your first go around for Marina Bay, let me just get some things here for you that you're going to need to know this weekend. First of all, the race is going to be beautifully lit. Singapore Grand Prix is one of the most aesthetically pleasing races of the season. It's not my favorite circuit by any means. I'm not a huge fan of Marina Bay, but I love the look of it. I like night races. And I love this one. This one's really got uh, a lot of beauty to it at night. Um, but because it's a street circuit and it is physically demanding on the drivers, it's also very mentally draining because even at night, it's really hot and humid and the turns come quickly. They require incredible precision. Some of these turns are 90 degrees and they come fast and there's walls all around. It's going to be 63 laps on uh, Sunday for this Grand Prix. It's 19 turns. That means there's a change to the old layout. So they took out four corners, 16 through 19. That's the one that kind of went under under the grandstand. Now it's just one straight. Now that reduced the overall distance of the, of the race. So now instead of 61 laps that we've had previously, it's going to go 63. It is difficult to overtake. There are a few corners that I mentioned that are 90 degrees. Like you'll see at Azerbaijan, it's very bumpy and you will likely see cars go off the circuit needing to turn around. There's not a ton of runoff on this track, but there's enough. You are going to see some cars that are going to go off the track and need to turn around to get back on to the race. Um, the new look is going to generate some more opportunities to overtake because you've got that new straight now. So before with those corners, 16 through 19, you used to kind of bottleneck, you used to kind of get bogged down there. But now with the straight, there might be an opportunity here to see a little bit more overtaking than we've had in years past. There are three DRS zones. The first one's coming off of turn number five up until turn seven. There's kind of a slight bend to the right at turn six. The second is going to come after a sharp left-hand turn at 13. into a, It's a short shoot to turn 14, but nevertheless, DRS can be used there. And then finally, you're going to get down the front stretch and all the way down to turn one. So those are the three DRS zones that you're going to be able to see this weekend at the Singapore Grand Prix. Pirelli is going to bring uh, the softest available tires to this race. C3 for the hard, C4 for the medium, C5 for the softs. Most teams will employ a one-stop strategy if 
weather permits, whatnot. If obviously there's rain, it's obviously going to be different, but it's a, usually a one-stop strategy. And w- one of the reasons is it's got a very, very long pit time. By the time you enter and the time you exit, if you have a very decent pit stop, it's about 28 seconds. That's a lot of time to add another stop to your strategy. Doesn't mean you can't do it, but if you're running near the top, you're trying to get a good finish and you're in kind of the battle, most likely you're on a one-stop strategy. You might go two if you're trying to move up to from like 15th, maybe to, to 11th or something along those lines, but expect the top tier teams in this race to utilize a one-stop strategy if all the circumstances fall into that. Weather obviously can play a factor at Singapore. It could rain. It rained last year. If rain comes in, then I guess, you know, all bets are off. All right. So that's the Singapore part of this podcast. Again, they'll be on Sunday as we've got eight races to go. And this is going to be a back-to-back Grand Prix with uh, Singapore this weekend, Japan next weekend. Now that is a circuit I love, Suzuka, but Nevertheless, Marina Bay is not one of my favorites. But one of my favorite Grand Prix of the 2023 season occurred last time we raced, and that was at Monza two weeks ago. I thought the Italian Grand Prix was fantastic. I really thought it was great. It was one of the best races of the year. It was Red Bull 1-2. It was Ferrari 3-4. I thought the racing was great. I thought the atmosphere was fantastic. Anytime a Ferrari driver is on the podium in front of the Tifosi, I'm going to love it. I make no bones about it. I love that scene. I thought it was a great Grand Prix. So now it's time for top five and bottom five from the Italian Grand Prix. And we go bottom first. And again, if you're new to the podcast, bottom five and top five can be anything. It's not just drivers. I can put teams in there. I can put FIA in there. I don't care. It could be anything. Number five on my list of the bottom five, that goes to Haas. Uh, They just said it was a terrible weekend. Kevin Magnussen and Nico Hulkenberg were both lapped in the Italian Grand Prix. They say it was the worst outing of the year. Their tires started to fall apart. The car was just terrible, terrible. Number four, I mentioned him earlier, and that's Logan Sargent. Williams was predicted to have a very good race at Monza. Alex Albon was able to get in points. He finished seventh, but his teammate once again couldn't get the car into the top 10. He finished five seconds behind Oscar Piastri for 13th place. The American is going to have to start putting up some good results if he wants to keep his seat. So Logan Sargent, number five in the bottom five. Number three, Fernando Alonso. I thought Aston Martin would have a good weekend. In fact, I picked Fernando Alonso to finish in the top three of this Grand Prix. I think I picked him to finish second, but he ended up ninth. Lance Stroll finished 16th. The car was awful. It had no pace, and it was their worst weekend of the season. And they lost ground, and this is critical, they lost ground to Ferrari in the constructors' standings. Ferrari now third behind Mercedes. Number two in the bottom five, and that goes to Alpine. Oh, what a, you talk about Haas having a terrible day. Alpine, what a disastrous weekend. It was a terrible weekend, Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly. Now, look, even though the two circuits are completely different, Gasly was coming into Monza off a podium finish at Zandvoort. He couldn't make it out of Q1 on Saturday. He started 17th. He finished 15th. He couldn't even make up any ground. I mean, he didn't make a move to get out of that bottom part of the grid. Ocon had to retire for safety reasons with a steering issue. Now, he didn't get out of Q1 as well. He at least had a better day before they pulled him in. But nevertheless, it ends up being an absolutely dreadful day. A DNF and a 15th for Alpine. And the number one, Yuki Tsunoda. 
The Japanese driver had to retire during the formation lap. He was unable to race. He started 11th on the grid. That would have been fighting for points if he had actually been able to compete. But instead, he suffered a power unit failure. It was his second mechanical failure in three Italian Grand Prix for Tsunoda. So there is your bottom five from the Italian Grand Prix. And now we go into the best of the best, the top five. And I'm going to start with Alex Albon. He's number five. Good vibes going into Monza, and he delivered. He came in with a P7 finish for Alex Albon. Again, Williams was on people's radar going into this race. They loved the car in those circumstances, that kind of speed, and Alex Albon proved them right. Logan Sargent did not, but Alex Albon did. Number four, Liam Lawson. Hey, let's give it up for the 21-year-old New Zealander filling in for Daniel Ricciardo. He just finished outside the points in 11th. Liam Lawson wants to get into Formula One. I think there are some teams interested in Liam Lawson getting into Formula One. I'm going to watch out for him the rest of the way until Ricardo comes back. He will be racing this weekend in Singapore. And maybe Ricardo comes back and the storybook ends. Maybe it doesn't end. Maybe it's just the beginning. But Liam Lawson, congratulations. You didn't get in the points, but impressed me enough to be in the top five. Number three, I'm going to give it to Sergio Perez. Obviously, the Red Bull car is the best on the grid. He needed to get a P2 because there have been too many times where Verstappen wins the race and and Perez is so far back that it's people are starting to question the consistency of Sergio Perez. I am getting, I don't know about you, but I just get tired over and over again of who's going to be Max Verstappen's teammate. Who can be Max Verstappen's teammate? We're going down this road where we've done it with Daniel Ricciardo. We've done it with Pierre Gasly, Alex Albon, now Sergio Perez. We are talking about a driver that is going to go down in history as one of the greatest in the world. His teammate cannot keep pace all the time. Now, I will say sometimes it has been head scratching as to why Perez is so so far back of Verstappen, where he's finishing sixth or seventh, that doesn't make a lot of sense. In the Italian Grand Prix, where Red Bull had clearly had an advantage, Perez needed to show that this was a one-two finishing race for Red Bull, and he delivered. So he gets third. Number two, Max Verstappen. I don't always give the top spot to the guy that wins the race. And in Verstappen's case, I sometimes put him like two or three because he's expected to win and he wins. And I like somebody else's day better for what they could deliver. Verstappen had to work for this one, right? Carlos Sainz was out in front for like 15 laps. And I know Verstappen had that one cool moment where he's like, yeah, he's got some wiggling back there. He's got a problem with his rear tires. And then just waited, took off, got the lead, never gave it up. But it was a little bit of work. Kudos to Carlos Sainz for actually fighting off at Verstappen for a good portion of the early part of that Grand Prix. He gets his 10th victory. It's a new F1 record. Verstappen has been dominating this season, but I have to give it to Carlos Sainz. If you've been following this podcast, you know I'm giving it to a Ferrari driver if he's on the podium at Monza. And Carlos Sainz held Verstappen off for a good part of the of the early part of the race, the first 15 laps. That was impressive. And he finished on the podium. He got to stand in front of the ocean of red in front of the Tifosi, hold up his third place trophy. He was the best of the rest at Monza. Ferrari's had an awful season, but that moment really was special. Carlos Sainz is my top in the top five from the Italian Grand Prix.
All right, so that concludes our preview of the Singapore Grand Prix, plus a look back at the Italian Grand Prix best and the worst at Monza. My prediction on the podium for Singapore, I'm going to go for Stappen 1. This is very similar to like the, if you're, if you're old enough to remember Price is Right back in the day when cars started to get to be five digits, Price is Right used to automatically just give you the one. Like you'd have to guess the other four numbers, but they always just conceded the one. Now it's like, if you want to do a prediction in Formula One races, you're already just conceding the top spot. Like Verstappen's going to win the top spot. So your prediction has value if you can land the other two. That's like, again, like an old Price is Right game. I'm going to go with Fernando Alonso too, and I'm going to go a little different. I would take Sergio Perez. He is the defending champion coming off a good run at Monza. But I've got a feeling about Lando Norris this weekend. I know, call me crazy, and you can certainly do so if you want to hit me up on Twitter, at Tony D Radio. Um, but I got a feeling for Lando Norris this weekend. I think he could do really good things and maybe make a podium for McLaren. All right, at least that's, I'm kind of hoping a little bit of a three-team podium at the end of Sunday's Grand Prix. We'll be back next week to wrap it up. Thank you so much. Please subscribe to the podcast. Share it with your friend. We're looking forward to closing out strong on this podcast as we get into uh, season four. I'm hoping to have some other things going on in year four of this podcast. I really wanted to try it out for a couple of years before I sort of added some other elements. But thank you so much if you've been listening on a consistent basis. I certainly appreciate it. So be back next week for our review of the Singapore Grand Prix. Enjoy the weekend, everybody, especially those who are getting up at all sorts of crazy hours in the morning. Here in the United States, where I live in Nashville, Tennessee, it's a 7 a.m. start. If you live on the East Coast, it's going to be 8 a.m. If you live on the West Coast, it's going to be 5 a.m. If you want to watch it live. All right, we'll be back next week. Thanks a lot for listening. This is the Overtake F1 podcast. Podcast.